and milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. So I'm going to sing a little song for you. I'm going to sing right now. Get ready. Ding dong, the witch is gone. (laughs) Not dead, but gone. And um, I'm glad she's not dead, but I'm glad she's gone out of Chicago. Right, Lori Lightfoot. So that's a pretty big uh, deal. Actually, it's the first time in 40 years that an incumbent uh, bit the dust in Chicago. They like to double down on, you know, poor leadership. But it was crime, 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 and more crime that did her in. And uh, there's so many other problems, though. The hotel tax, for example. So now there's going to be a runoff. There's three Democrats in the running. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a one-party rule. That's, you're going to get this kind of crap in Chicago if you have three Democrats uh, in the first three positions of a, a whatever it is, what kind of election it is, jungle election. It's almost like a primary in Chicago. I'll start with Mayor Daley. I remember when Detroit, for example, in 1960, was one of the richest richest cities in the world. Richest city in the world because of the motor industry, you know, automobile industry. And and then they got a hold of uh, they got the they got mob, they got liberal leadership, and they got union. You, uh, the, uh, they got in bed with the unions, and the unions, and then racketeering. And aren't we doing that? Isn't that what's going on in Arizona right now, the racketeering? That's what it is. It's racketeering. It's working with the cartels. It's racketeering. It's bribes. It's kickbacks. It's pay-to-play. It's coercion. It's uh, life threats, threats on people's lives. For what? Power? Why? What's so attractive about running for, you know, an average salary office? You know, a congressman makes 170 grand. Okay, big whoop, 178, something like that. In D.C., that doesn't go very far, especially if you need to foot the bill for two different houses, one in D.C. and while you're here, and uh, and and the one you had back home. 
And so it's it's not a way to get rich, but yet they do high fives. They pop the corks on champagne. And you wonder why that is. You wonder why it is that every time someone goes to office, they come out richer. Except for Donald Trump, the one that everybody seems to hate right now. Fox News hates him. MSNBC hates him. CNN hates him. The only people that love him are the true conservatives on the right. Because like I said this week, the polls say Trump beats DeSantis in the in the primaries, but he loses to Biden in the general where DeSantis beats Biden in the general because apparently a lot of independents and libertarians like DeSantis more than they like Trump. They can't look their friends in the face and say, I voted for Trump because I have a brain and I have common sense and I care about my country. They can't do that because their liberal friends will disown them because it's just become this stigma just a name they actually believed their own rhetoric because all trump has been in the origins of COVID, for example and where it came from wuhan where trump has come from and where trump is what trump has said and where trump has been has been completely correct you take the paris cord he got out of the paris agreement he said it's bad for america it's great for china So he got out of it. But he understood. But a lot of the Republicans that uh, buy into some of these neocons and globalists like Paul, the Paul Ryan wing or the Karl Rove wing of the party or the Jeb Bush wing, they're all globalists. So they understand they're they're bowing to the corporate money. And that's why their coffers are so wealthy. That's why they win elections, because they have so much money to buy up so much airtime. And because the same corporations they're giving to these neocon globalists on the right and the liberals on the left, which are not far different, then what's happened is the game that's being played is the same BlackRock companies, uh, the same BlackRock-owned companies are not only investing in politicians— but they're also investing they're investing in the globalist agenda they're not only investing in the politicians but they're investing in the global agenda and they're investing in media and the media is the other other flip side to that okay so you have the media basically on the same team, working for the same company, BlackRock, and all of its disciples. So BlackRock is the money, Vanguard is the money, right? And the government is even the more money. And the government is working with World World Economic Forum as a broker, as a conduit, to the corporate money. And the corporate money and the governments are copacetic. And then the mainstream media also gets in on the action because you can't win without the media paid for, right? So what you have is you have the government, the media, and the politicians, the globalists, all in bed together. So the media 
that's where the media throws cover for the neocon liberals, neocon globalists, because they're in support of the globalist agenda. It's why they support Black Lives Matter as a militant group to divide black America for political power. It's why they actually support the climate initiative that's a complete and total hoax. And it's why they supported the COVID mandates that were all now proven debunked and wrong. And it's why you get censored if you say anything that runs counter to the globalist message. Do you understand this? It's very simple. It's so easy to understand this. But once you do understand it, yeah, you can take it to the bank. It's what is driving the election fraud because their ideas aren't winning over the popular vote. But their election fraud is giving them the power. And the power and the corruption that they're covering up is greater than the election fraud. They're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. See, if they allow Trump to win, Trump then looks into their crimes and they all go down. So if they rig the election, what do they have to lose? Now they can cover up their crimes, like in Ukraine or wherever else, in the Middle East, or the open borders and the drug cartels. So if they can just rig the election, now all they have to do, they don't have to cover up those crimes. Those are all pretty washed away. If they can rig the election, all they have to do, do now is use their own cronies to cover up the election fraud. That's easy peasy. So this is what's happening, folks. This is what's happening in our world right now. Please believe me. I mean, I beg you. But listen, we're going to listen to Lori Whitefoot's concession. Let because just... apparently this, le- this election wasn't as rigged. But then again, it was like a Democrat primary for a main, main election. Now, there is going to be a runoff. And there's one guy that's actually more supportive of uh, funding police than the other. One's uh, got endorsed by the teachers union. One was a school board superintendent, to go figure. But one got the endorsement of police, and so he's going to crack down on crime. They both say they're going to crack down on crime, but one's better than the other. The Vahala guy or Vala guy, uh, that's the guy that's probably going to win. He, he won the night with 31% of the vote, but you need 51% or something like that. So I think Lori Lightfoot got like 16%. It's like crazy low. I mean, unbelievable. But um, she had no chance. So let's take a listen to her concession real quick. Let me just uh, do this. So thank you and and thank everyone so much. Um, I feel a lot of love in this room as I've felt every step of the way on this journey. Uh, I've called Brandon Johnson and Paul Vallis uh, to congratulate them. It was Paul Vallis. That's what it was. Okay. On their victories and advancing uh, to the runoffs. We were fierce competitors in these last few months, um, but I will be rooting and praying for our next mayor to deliver uh, for the people of the city for years to come. Now, further, she went and said something like, we made the city better. (laughs) We cut down on crime. No, you didn't do any of those things. She just lied through her teeth in her concession speech, which was really kind of funny. But let's take a listen to uh, this commentary by a guy named Andrew Stolman from Northwestern. It's pretty good. Law enforcement made it clear. To- nope. 
That's not the clip. Let's try it again. Her reign of incompetence is over. And I think she learned a really important lesson that in Chicago, only three issues really matter. Crime, crime, and more crime. She took her eye off the ball to try to Mm -hmm. implement some policies like defunding the police, like the elimination of cash bail. And guess what? It cost her the mayorship of the city of Chicago. She is the first mayor in 40 years to actually lose a reelection. And so it's really unprecedented. And she didn't even finish in the top two. It's a major embarrassment. I think her political career is dead. And, uh, you know, I think it's the end of Lori Lightfoot in this city. You know, I have a clip of her supporting the New World Order. (laughs) It's so scary. It's ridiculous. All right, so there's a lot of things that went down yesterday. There was a committee hearing on the fentanyl and the open borders, and we have a lot of clips devoted to that today as well. Uh, we also have, um, we also have uh, this uh, a, a big piece on COVID origins still because there was a lot of clips that I wanted to share that we didn't quite get to that we're going to try to get to today. We have a lot of show to give you today. Um, And we're going to cover two main issues, plus we're going to try to cover a little bit of Arizona. Uh, We have a clip for for that as well. So we got to get going with the clips. And like I say, too, this show is probably going to be playing a little bit more audio clip than normal. Um, And the reason why is because we have this construction going on around us that's so loud. And um, thank goodness you guys aren't hearing it all that well, but our studio is pretty well bunkered, but... You know, man, I'll tell you, it, it can get loud. It gets louder, like, after the show, too. It's it's like, wow, jackhammers all over this this this, this place. So, in any case, we're going to get started with this. Um, this poor woman, her name was Rebecca Kiesling. She was the mother of two sons that passed away uh, because they thought they were taking Percocet, and they ended up taking fentanyl. At a college party. Two beautiful sons. Unbelievable. This was just heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching. And now she's standing up fighting for her children who are past. God bless her. But let's take a listen. To me, that this fentanyl came from Mexico. It came from our southern border. I didn't know what fentanyl was. I didn't know what Narcan was. I didn't know that people were dying. Um, I didn't know that my boys were taking anything that could kill them. They didn't think that they were either. But the government knew. The government's known for years and years. You talk about children being taken away from their parents. My children were taken away from me. This should not be politicized. This was not an overdose. This was murder. My children got fake Percocets that were... Fentanyl, there was no Percocet in it at all. This is a war. Act like it. Do something. Her sons were 18 and 20 years old. They died. 18 and 20. uh, Beautiful kids. And um, that breaks my heart. Really, it does. Um, And her name is Rebecca Kiesling. And she, I think, is making a difference. Let's take a listen to a little bit more of her testimony here. If we had Chinese troops lining up along our southern border with 
weapons aimed at our people, with weapons of mass destruction aimed at our cities, you damn well know you would do something about it. We have a weather balloon from China going across our country. Nobody died, and everybody's freaking out about it. But 100,000 die every year, and nothing's being done. Not enough is being done. Numbers are going up, not down. And you talk about children being taken away from their parents. My children were taken away from me. A hundred thousand Americans every year are having their children, two hundred thousand, because it's both parents, right? Are having their children taken away from them. This should not be politicized. It's not about race. Fentanyl doesn't care about race. So, you know, we, we spend our time, like in Oregon right now, they're proposing $1,000 to every homeless person per month. And I say, oh, that's great. That sounds wonderful, right? But the Democrats that are pushing this are so stupid. They don't realize that when you inject $1,000 a month for, per homeless person into a market, You've just created more demand for a product. And when you don't put them to work, now you've, what you've done is you've injected millions of dollars into the demand side of a small market like Portland. You've injected millions of dollars into the demand side, but you've, you've done nothing to inject anything on the supply side. And so it just creates more inflation. So the $1,000 they're going to give is going to become worth 200 before you know it with inflation. That's how you get inflation, through this just printing of money and devaluing the money. These people don't understand markets at all. They're just morons running the show, getting elected. It's impossible to comprehend. You know, if I was a mayor and I, I had compassion for homeless people, which I've fed the homeless. I used to do that in Philadelphia. But what you could do is you could, you could take a dilapidated high-rise and inject that money that you would, those thousands of dollars, because you know they're just going to drink it, right? They're going to go to the liquor store with that thousand bucks and get drunk. Enable their habit, buy crack, whatever, heroin. They, they have a mental disorder. So you could build a couple of, couple of little like properties that are already like being condemned. Just make them, in, make them habitable and put them up, give them a three-month uh, uh, stent with an option to renew and give them mental, mental health and they have to go through the programs in order to um, to uh, stay and get them clothing through the goodwill, get them um, uh, mental health programs, get them drug uh, addiction tr- addiction treatments, right? And try to get them uh, get some sort of a conduit for um, work. You know, we have a, we're supposed to have a low unemployment. We're supposed to be able to. We're supposed. To, we're supposed to believe that 
people, uh, worker uh, employers can't find workers. So you know, set up a set up a, you know, have them do agriculture, have them do, learn a skill, learn a trade, whatever, you know, basically like a halfway house, get them on their feet. And you know, start a program like that. In a, in a better way. Use that money that way. Don't give them a thousand bucks so they can just get drunk. It's it's impossible to comprehend the stupidity at the top. All right. So here's what uh, a couple of se- uh, senate uh, congressmen had to say about that. So this is Bobart. Let's take a listen to what she had to say. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I am in support of this bill. Um, I, I just wanted to um, briefly comment on the ranking member's uh, remarks. You know, he mentioned that... Oh, wait, this was about censorship. Okay, so so there was the open border session. Okay, right. All right, now we're going to switch over. Uh, I apologize. I, I thought I thought these were uh, part of the uh, hearing. Well, I there is one that I'm going to play. I apologize. I got this mixed up a little bit. But uh, it's Marjorie Taylor Greene, Let's, right here. Let's take a listen to this. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. We have one job in the federal government, and that is to protect the United States of America, our national security, and all Americans, their life, their liberty, and their pursuit of happiness. And since the Biden administration has taken over, there has been a direct result in the number of deaths in this country from fentanyl. I want you to know that in 2020, there were 4.8 thousand pounds of fentanyl seized by CBP. But in 2021, fiscal year 2021, it increased to 11.2 thousand pounds of fentanyl was seized by the CBP. That is a direct result of Biden administration failure policies. Now, here we are in to date, to date, fiscal, fiscal year 2023, they have already seized 12,500 pounds of fentanyl. The Biden administration is failing this country by not protecting our border and securing our border and stopping Chinese fentanyl from being brought into our country illegally by the cartels, and people are dying every single day because of it. Fentanyl deaths have doubled, doubled between two years from April 2019 to April 2021, those are the statistics we have, going fentanyl deaths doubled from 32,754 to 64,178. This is a, this is a complete failure. I want you to know it's affecting every single state in the country. In Georgia, Georgia, Fentanyl deaths have gone up by 230%. In rural northwest Georgia, my district, the 14th district, we are up 350%. Fentanyl does not discriminate on your skin color, your gender, your politics. Fentanyl kills everyone. It kills police officers, first responders, and tragically, fentanyl is now the number one cause of death of young Americans ages 18 to 45. And this is unforgivable. 
The Biden administration is responsible for this, and they have blood on their hands because they refuse to secure our border. Today we, today we have a witness with us, Ms. Kiesling. I just want to tell you I am so sorry from one mother to another for the death of your two sons that, that died from fentanyl poisoning that should never have happened should never have happened to you. It should never happen to any family. It happens to families at, at home where I live. It happens to pretty much everyone we know. And I want to ask you, and I, first I want to thank you for being brave to come here and share your grief with our committee. But Ms. Kiesling, would your sons be alive today if, the, if our government would secure our southern border? Her mic is not on. The year Caleb was born, 2000, there were 20,000 drug-related deaths. And the year they died, it was five times as many. And um, I appreciate you using the term fentanyl poisoning because that's what it was. It wasn't an overdose. They had no idea that they were doing anything that could kill them. And it's because fentanyl got into this country. I, I heard this man over here from the Cato Institute, you know, talk about, well, it's because of demand. What I'm hearing him say is they asked for it. What the hell? Seriously? Are you kidding me? We need to protect our children. They didn't ask for that. This wasn't demand that they wanted the fentanyl. They didn't want fentanyl. They thought they were getting Percocets. Okay? He's absolutely clueless. Like, total disconnect from what's happening. Um, you know, and to say, oh, let's just give them strips or let's give them rehab. Well, you know what? My kids got the federal. My son, Caleb, went to federal rehab. It was a flop house. It wasn't real rehab. You're wasting your money where you're sending it. I'm telling you, it's a waste of money because it wasn't real rehab. And the government paid for their drugs under COVID. They encouraged them not to stay home. All these young people in our support groups, we all talk about it, how they paid for their drugs with the federal funds under COVID that gave them incentive not to work. Healthy young people. Thank you, Ms. Kiesel. That encompassed a lot right there, and that uh, was worth listening to. All right, so now we're going to switch over to COVID because there is, um, you know, the origins of COVID is what we're getting into right now. And uh, I want to I first start with Nancy Mace. Okay, here we go. Mr. Chairman, uh, as was asked earlier, the, uh, my colleagues across the aisle, what evidence is there? The evidence is very clear. It's black and white. It's already been made public. Um, Matt Taibbi, a journalist in December 16th of last year, revealed that uh, you can go on, online and see the evidence here, and he links to it, but Twitter's contact with the FBI was constant. And again, I apologize. This is about censorship with Twitter. This is a senator, not a congresswoman. So this is not the... Uh, okay, so let's just go ahead and listen to it, though, because we want to cover all these issues. Pervasive as if it were a subsidiary, and I'm quoting Matt Taibbi in this, between January 2020 and November of 2022, there were over 150 emails between the FBI and former uh, Twitter employees. Uh, one in particular, you'll... Yoel Roth, who was already here and testified before us. Um, but there were a number of requests by the FBI for Twitter to take action on misinformation. They even tried to ban accounts that were telling jokes. 
I mean, this is the ridiculous nature of agents of the federal government. Uh, and some of it wasn't just Republicans. There were Democrats, too, that were targeted. So some of this is uh, bipartisan targeting uh, on both sides of the aisle, whether it was this administration or last administration. This really should be a bipartisan conversation. Um, and this, uh, what Matt, Matt Taibbi also stated was that in the Twitter files, it was not just the FBI, it was DHS, it was DNI, it was other agencies participating in this, including elected officials we found out just a few weeks ago, including a U.S. senator who tried to have uh, constituents uh, banned on Twitter because they said something criticizing him. And so, um, you know, this is a, a huge issue, I think, and then we're not talking about, as, as my uh, colleague said earlier, about terms and services of Twitter or other private social media companies. We're talking about agents, representatives of the federal government. Well, this is outright censorship. And by the way, that's a congresswoman, Representative Nancy Mace. Um, and it's the same oversight committee. They were just covering COVID origins. They were covering censorship. And it, it's all one and the same, folks, because, see, you know, it's all part, it's all part of a com- campaign donation, really. I mean, when you bury the laptop, but you push the Russian hoax, that is, that is worth billions of dollars in campaign fund, funding, if you really want to get down to it. Here's what Representative Bobart had to say. Uh, we want to have a government um, that's able to put out truthful information. Well, we've experienced a government that's put out very, very false information that has harmed people the past two years. And you are going after American citizens for asking questions. Uh, these are the people who were censored on social media platforms. And come to find out, we were right about the origins of COVID. We were right about it being a lab leak. Um, the American citizens who were questioning uh, the efficacy of masks and lockdowns and vaccines and boosters and so on and so on, and even all of the hospital, uh, 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 everything that happened in the hospitals to treat COVID-19 and even the number of patients who had COVID-19 and died of COVID-19, how that was inflated. All of these questions that the American people were asking, they were censored, they were shut down, they were removed from so social media. They were suspended. They were banned. And you want a government that just can put out truthful information? Well, how about allowing the real government, the people, to ask questions, seek answers, and not be silenced in the process while they are completely being lied to by their federal government, by the people who were put in these positions. And this, this bill is addressing exactly that. Americans need to be able to ask these questions. They have the right to receive information about what's going on in our country and around the world, where things are coming from, how it's going to affect their children, their children's education, um, how it's going to uh, affect their health physically. This is what we are addressing. The American people were silenced for three years because of what China has done and because of our federal government colluding to cover up what China released into the globe. So we want American citizens to, yes, have a government put out truthful information. And also the people are the check on the government to say, hey, is that right? Is that accurate? Something seems off here. I have a question. Here's some information that I found out because, hey, federal government, maybe you don't know everything. 
Mr. Chairman, I yield and I support the bill. All right. So let's let's think about this for a second. Remember Andrew Cuomo said, how many people have to die because we couldn't get the uh, ventilators and then Trump got all the ventilators that everybody asked for? And we all knew that ventilators were exasperating the problem, creating more of a problem, pushing the virus into their lungs and killing them. We all knew that the Jacob Javits Center was empty. We all knew that the hospitals in New York were empty, even though they were using fake footage from a war zone somewhere else from some other time to make it make believe. CBS was in the fix on this. And why were they doing it? Because it's not just it's not just to say that they were going after Trump. It's not just that. It is that. But it wasn't just about attacking, killing Trump's economy and also using it to rig elections with respect to mail-in ballots and setting a new standard for election fraud. It wasn't just that. But remember what happened to George W. Bush. You'll never hear this anywhere else, folks. Trust me. But when, when, when 9-11 happened and George W. Bush uh, got into a war footing, the country was more unified in the years, the two years leading up after 9-11 than ever before, which allowed George W. Bush to win re-election. And what that was, was when a country goes to war, the country unifies around the leader that's in charge of that war effort. So think about it. If it came out, and it was obvious at the time, since the very beginning, I mean, February uh, 2021, uh, was it February 2020? But uh, is when Tucker had the Chinese lady on that said it came out from Wuhan in March of 2020. So it was, um, no, it was 21 because it was a year into the uh, President Trump. No, it was 2020. That's right. It was just before the election. And a lot of people are saying that this COVID thing was an attack on Trump and to remove Trump from office tanking his economy, blaming Trump for everything, using Fauci as a as a tool, right? But also they were try- they had to bury the Chinese connection because if Trump came out right away and he should have done this and said we know that it's China. We know that this was a either a, a lab leak or an intentional bioweapon and that we are now going to because remember, Trump was doing the uh, negotiations on the trade deal, phase one, phase two, right? And we were going to have great new trade with China that was going to benefit America. And we were going to go head to head with China. And the country would have rallied around Trump against big bad China because China was, would have been found guilty and it would have been a known enemy. But by creating this unknown enemy and by 
calling Trump a xenophobe whenever he tried to uh, accuse China of it, uh, allowed the media to spin the narrative that Trump is just this racist. So see, that's what they did. That's exactly what they did. So you take a listen to this. It says here, Thiessen uh, from Fox News explains why media covered for China on Lab League. The goal was to blame Trump to win an election. Outnumbered looks back on why liberal media quickly dismissed COVID lab stories. Let's take a listen. Well, the White House is downplaying the Wall Street Journal's report, revealing that the Energy Department believes COVID came from a lab leak in China. Some of us have been suggesting that for quite some time. The Journal is reporting that it is based on classified intelligence that recently was provided to the White House and members of Congress. The National Security Council's John Kirby pushed back when pressed by our own Jackie Heinrich. The president made uh, trying to find the origins of COVID a priority right when he came into office. And he's got a whole of government effort designed to do that. Uh, There is not a consensus right now in the U.S. government about exactly how COVID started. Uh, There is just not an intelligence community consensus. Well, and a surprise to no one, the media rushed to a consensus three years ago, widely dismissing the lab leak as, quote, debunked conspiracy theories. A conspiracy theory going around that the coronavirus originated and was perhaps man-made inside a lab in China. And then there's this theory, widely debunked, this paper from two Chinese researchers that says it is plausible that the virus leaked accidentally from one of two labs near the Wuhan seafood market. This question about the Wuhan lab, we know that it's been debunked that this virus was man-made or modified or anything like that. Just weeks ago, Dr. Anthony Fauci rejected the conspiracy that coronavirus was man-made in a lab in Wuhan, China. And yet this week, Donald Trump is still pushing the debunked bunkum. A lot of people on the right love that phrase, escape from the lab, because it sounds like something from a Marvel movie or a comic book. Both scientists and the U.S. intelligence community agree that this coronavirus was not man-made. That is not a possibility. But there is also no reason to believe any of these conspiracy theories that it was leaked from the lab in Wuhan, whether intentionally or otherwise. Wow, that is striking to watch. You know, Mark, my very first press briefing, May 1st, 2020, this was one of the main topics. And, you know, I was confronted with a report from The New York Times that said not only was this a bunk theory, uh, but it was one where the administration was pressing the intelligence community to find evidence to support the theory. To which I respond, and the intelligence says, number one, this originated in China. Number two, Mm -hmm. it may be the wet market or it may be a laboratory but that simply was rejected. Why? Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe did they ask you if you had debunked it? Yeah, like, no, no, they did what not. The what the heck is debunked? Debunked What is that? You have to be living under a rock not to realize this came from the Wuhan lab. I mean, think right. about. I mean, think about it. It happened in Wuhan, which is the home of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. They were doing research on bat coronaviruses. They were doing it at biosafety level two, which is the, like your dentist's office, as opposed to biosafety level four, which is with the spacesuits. Uh, we know that the SARS one virus escaped four times from the Beijing Institute of Virology. So we've had Chinese leaks, lab leaks before. And three researchers from the Wuhan Institute of Virology went to the hospital with COVID symptoms in November 2019. So we know that they got sick from it. 
So, I mean, this is like a two-minute decision in the first minutes for coffee. And what is the evidence for a uh, for a, a natural release? There's no animal host that's been found. There's not even been a bat population that's been found that has this virus. So there's zero evidence for for a natural release. And and I'll tell you why they did this and why they depressed it. Because this was happening during the 2020 election. Yes. And any effort to blame China was seen as deflecting from blaming Donald Trump. And the goal was to blame Donald Trump so they could wow. win the election. And so they played this down because anything that blamed China was was deflecting from Trump. I think that nails it. You know, Harris, look at these headlines. So this is leading up to the election. NPR scientists debunk the lab accident theory. <laughs> Fact checker at the Washington Post was the new coronavirus accidentally released from a Wuhan lab. It's doubtful. A CNN, a headline about Fauci. And then the Washington Post, one year later, how it suddenly became credible, the lab leak theory. It changed um, it, following a presidential election. So two <laughs> things after hearing um, the spokesperson Kirby with the White House, Admiral Kirby, um, one, can we get some of that information that they are looking at declassified so the American people can see it? I- well, you know, it, it goes right to what I was saying. Globalists control the media. Globalists control the population. Uh, I mean, the politicians. And globalists control the agenda. So they, it, it's natural that this corporate government relationship where the government is using corporations to crack down on middle-class Americans. Basically, you can't walk in my store without a mask. It may not be constitutional, but we're a private company, so we skirt around the Constitution because we're private. We're going to adhere to the guidelines. And who are we going to use? CDC, which is not even really fully government. It's funded by the government. But it it's just an entity that 98.5% of their their employees donate to the Democrat Party. So we got to stop this. But um, this is the kind of thing that's been going on. And you get a guy like Bill Gates. Here's what he had to say, right? They were all liars. And do, are they ever going to pay the price for being wrong? Washington Post, New York Times, all these journalists, all these media analysis, Bill Gates. Are they ever going to be, are they ever going to be punished for being so wrong? It's quite clear in this case that it came across through animals. Mm-hmm. And almost all our diseases, like HIV, crossed over from chimpanzees in Africa quite some time ago. Ebola came from bats. Uh, this also, uh, with one step in between, came uh, from bats. So it's going to keep happening, particularly with climate change, where we're invading uh, a lot of habit. It's quite You see, he just said a mouthful there. He's spinning the whole thing like a genius for people who are dumb enough to believe it. This is one other good clip right here uh, that I wanted to play because it was a cover-up. Let's see. Well, because it was a cover-up. I mean, we know that Anthony Fauci and our own government were funding gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology where the outbreak took place, and, and, you know, and now they're just coming to the conclusion that it came from there. I mean, duh. It's been the most obvious answer all along, but it was a cover-up because of her part, particularly Dr. Anthony Fauci. And you can go back and look at the fact that he colluded with Dr. Francis Collins, uh, along with scientists, to try to shut down anyone who dare raise the most obvious uh, answer, which was that it, it, was, it came from the lab. Uh, we know that he also worked with social media to try, try to shut down people questioning that as well. And I, I think that's the most frustrating thing about COVID this entire time is it's just been a denial of common sense. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it's just been a simple denial of common sense. And Guy was talking about people who are treated like social pariahs who raise questions. I was one of those people from the beginning on everything. I questioned the lethality of COVID from the beginning, questioned lockdowns from the beginning, questioned the origins of the coronavirus from the beginning, questioned the efficacy of vaccines from the beginning, because I was actually looking at the data and talking to people that weren't necessarily the ones on TV. There were people like Dr. John E. Needies, who wrote an op-ed in March of 2020 saying that it's not as deadly as everyone is saying it is, and that we're basically making all these terrible data decisions off of bad data. And he was right from the beginning. There were people, he, he's a Stanford epidemiologist. He's world-renowned for debunking bad research. But where was he in the beginning of this? People weren't interested in talking to him. So, you know, this entire time, we've just seen a denial of the obvious, a denial of common sense. And in the end, the American people suffered. Mm -hmm. They suffered so much. They've lost businesses. They've lost lives. People were fired for not wanting to get the vaccine. I mean, it's we need accountability. People need to be punished. People like Dr. Fauci need to be punished. The million to COVID, then the excess deaths. We don't even know what those numbers are quite yet. Right now. Can I just raise real quick one more thing? If you go back and there is evidence that the coronavirus came about potentially, you know, fall of 2019, even earlier than that. Yeah. So what was the point of lockdowns in March of 2020? I mean, you look at how transmissible this virus was, you know, look at how widespread it had been at that point, you know, but we didn't do the antibody testing. We didn't do the due diligence to figure out how widespread it had been at that point. So there's no point of lockdowns even from the beginning. So all of this, a denial of, you know, common sense, truth, uh, and even desiring to get to the bottom of it, with the exception of, of people like Harris and a lot of people at this network. And they uh, they even um, came out and said there was no asymptomatic spread. And then they quickly changed that because that was the origin or the catalyst for lockdowns. So there you go, right there. Uh, Trump was right about everything, though. Here's a uh, funny little clip. It features Joe Biden being stupid and Trump being right. Before I took office, there was a lot of folks out there, a lot of folks out there making some pretty bold predictions about how things would turn out. You might remember some of the predictions. If he's elected, the stock market will crash. Okay. They're coming for your guns. They're coming for your jobs. And they're coming for your freedom. They hate American energy and Joe Biden will. Shut it all down. He's going to. Biden's elected. He will wipe out your energy industry. Another prediction that is my favorite one, I must add, is that if I got elected, gas prices going five, six, seven dollars for a gallon. Flood your communities with criminal aliens, drugs and crime while they live behind beautiful gated compounds. They try to take away your gun, Second Amendment, they want to take it away, while they enjoy private security that's fully armed. I never understood that one. Well, it's happening all around us, and uh, how they're getting away with it is is absolutely beyond me. Um, We had another train derailment yesterday in Manatee County, Florida. Go figure. I wanted to read this to you. It says, did it get released or leaked? I'm of mind to think that the whole damn thing was a hoax. This is Rebel Cat. Why did the flu disappear? And it did. Predictive programming in movies and television were fed to all of us to make us believe the lie. But I remember watching a television series called Millennium. In that show, the vaccine was the virus. Uh, 
call me crazy, but I don't believe anything I hear from the media anymore. I know enough to know that virology has been a very questionable science, and I don't trust Pfizer. Do you? And that was in response to Emerald Robinson, who said, America's intelligence agencies want you to permanently, uh, want you permanently stuck in the Wuhan lab leak versus wet market debate because it excludes the most likely possibility that COVID was a planned operation to undermine the Trump administration. It didn't leak. It was released. And until they can prove us otherwise, and because they're covering up everything, we need to hold them to the... That's what you do with liars who don't tell the truth. You say, well, if you're not going to be transparent and tell me the truth, I'm going to assume the worst and let you dig yourself out of that hole. And that's the standard we need to hold our government to. I want to play, uh, I want to switch over now to Arizona. Um, and I want to play this uh, uh, Carrie Lake clip. Let's take a listen. Well, I think the, the new information that came out earlier this week where they, they're taking the case on the merits. This isn't just a, you know, they didn't have to take the case. They could have said, you know, we're actually not going to take the case. And they said, actually, we looked at it. We're taking the case. And so Tuesday, the defense has to file their brief. And then we have until the 24th to file our rebuttal, I guess you could say. And then the three panel uh, judge uh, panel will take a look at it and make a decision. We are still going to push to get this into the Arizona Supreme Court. It's going to end up there. Ultimately, we'd like to see it go there sooner rather than later. We don't want to have this cartel operative, this cartel-owned, um, you know, goon, Katie Hobbs, sitting in the governor's office. Our state government is controlled by the cartels right now. The Secretary of State, Adrian Fontes, is a cartel attorney, and the cartels completely control Arizona, and that's not what the people voted for. We know they stole the election. We know they had intentionally sabotaged Election Day, and we, we proved that in court, and we will continue to prove it, and we have more evidence coming forth. But we're not going to sit by and watch our state turn into what you're seeing in, in places like Mexico and, and Colombia. We're seeing the crime skyrocket. We're seeing people flow across our border, destabilization of Arizona and the whole country, drugs pouring in. And the CCP is connected. You've educated people on that. You talked about what they're doing in, uh, in research labs. How about the CCP infiltrating our university systems right there in Arizona? ASU, the Confucius Institute, they take over our research and they find a great little funnel to bring uh, CCP spies into Arizona. This has to stop. And what we're seeing right now, Steve, which is really scary, is Arizona is completely grassroots Republican. The grassroots rose up. We showed up and voted in droves. They had to sabotage election day to try to stop us. And now we're watching these uniparty rhinos, the establishment rhinos, going into all these LD meetings where the precinct committee members are meeting. And they're trying to switch them over as well and turn them into a bunch of rhino-led LDs. And that's not what it is in Arizona. Meanwhile, uh, they just gave 56 point something million dollars to Haiti after Haiti lost a couple of billion dollars. They, don't, they can't account for the money. Of course, we know what happened to it. It's Haiti. But um, that's what happened. 
Let's take a listen to this open. This is uh, from the Arizona. Uh, from Fontes, right which were notarized by a Jessica York. This is Arizona State First, Committee the handwriting for the and handprinting of Jessica York have been identified as belonging to Brittany by our forensic, account, uh, forensic document expert. Secondly, the York signatures are the same handwriting, but not the same style. And that change of style exists even when the documents were allegedly signed on the same day. You can see the June 4th documents. The December 9th date and the clerk handwriting matches Donna. The signature of the clerk at the bottom is actually a tracing of a signature stamp. The time between the signature and the notarization and alleged execution of the clerk and thereafter the recorded date <coughs> evidence forgery. Normally, it's a two to three turnaround time. These took multiple months and all were allegedly clerk ex executed and recorded after the election certification. I have example after example where things do not add up. In addition to state representatives, there are <coughs> three of the five Maricopa County supervisors have also recorded documents evidencing the acceptance of bribes. Further, we've investigated PACs relating to state office holders and dark money transactions relating to said PACs. From late 19, 2018 to 22, a significant number of questionable real estate transactions were facilitated by several law firms, including partners at per Perkins Coie. Mr. Thaler would be here himself presenting this information, but there have been multiple attempts on his life. Thaler was driving from Arizona to California when suddenly he lost control of his vehicle. Upon investigation, it was discovered that his tire was purposefully slashed by a straight edge knife about four to six inches. The cut was made at such a location on the outer side of the tire where the tire would not lose air but instead would degrade to a point causing catastrophic failure most likely at high speed. Again, declaration is included in your packet. The, declaration, uh, the reason I mention this, and the only reason I mention this, is because a similar attempt was made on the life of Carrie Lake's daughter. Carrie Lake's daughter, did you hear that? This is incredible, what's going on in Arizona. And what we need to do is get to the bottom of this. We need the Supreme Court to weigh in and rule that this 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 must end. All of this nonsense that we know must end. And we need to get to the bottom of all of this and hold people accountable. I uh, will hold my breath. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to visit org to find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Make a donation if you can. It's what helps sustain this radio show. We do a lot of research. We don't get paid for it. We do a lot of this research ourselves. Use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye, buddy.